It's light you're outside. Alive. You're alive. <laughs> I am, yes. Well, so right, we're recording on Tuesday, April 12th, which uh, was a very unpleasant day in Brooklyn here, uh, Radio Free Brooklyn. So I, uh, I've mentioned this before, I'm sure, but I'm a teacher at Sunset Park High School, which um, is not even 30 yards away from where this morning's shooting took place on the subway. Uh, at the uh, 36th Street stop at the N train. A couple years ago, I started walking to work. Um, so really grateful that that is something I did today and I have been doing. Um, so I got like, as I was getting close to work, I started to notice a lot of sirens flying by me on 4th Avenue and I'm mostly feeling just irritated by how loud it was, you know, <laughs> just like, God, what just... I get it. You're coming, you know? And then I I realized that like they were all going to the stretch of fourth Avenue. That is right where my school is kind of on the corner. So, uh, a girl that is a, a, an alum of my high school works in the bagel shop, a few doors down that I, you know, occasionally get a bacon, egg and cheese and a coffee at. So I walked up to her, I saw her out in the street. So I walked up to her and I said, what'd you do? And, and she, but I could tell that her response to that joke was like, she was like rattled, you know, like, like, you clearly don't know what happens. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. Right. Or I hope you don't. Right. Right. So, you know, but right. We had a very confusing conversation to me at the time. And then she was like, be safe, you know? And I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's been happening. There's lots of blue. No, at still at this point, oh. I was like, "There's lots of cops here. I feel like right. I'm safe. You know, right. it's, it's okay." Yeah. And then when I got to the to the building, uh, I'm a I'm also a dean at the school. So like, as soon as I walked in, it was pretty much all hands on deck because we gotta kind of just figure out what we're doing because it's a lot more complicated than they make it sound actually. Because you know what has to happen is because something so unsafe happened, like literally feet from the entrance to the school. Right. At exactly the time when the vast majority of our students arrive for school, that the thing you're supposed to do when something like that happens is have a shelter in, which is different from a lockdown. I'll hear a lot of lockdown on the news. We're not locking down. Lockdowns are much, actually much scarier. Lockdowns means threat is in the building. So. Close the doors, shut the blinds, hide. Um, so that's what a lockdown is. A shelter in is essentially a normal school day, but nobody is allowed in or out of the building. Um, and so what makes that difficult, considering the timing of the shooting, was that we're not supposed to let people in the building at the exact moment most of our students arrive. Right. So a message had to be sent out. It was basically like, if you haven't left for school yet, don't come here. Right. You know, stay home. And uh, and then, like, so for quite, a, quite some time, I was standing by a door, and as kids approached, I was supposed to, like, just let them in and just kind of, like, do a little quick little safety check. Um, but, you know, for the most part, between everybody working at that point, 
enough of us knew enough faces of kids where there wasn't a lot of kids approaching the building where it's like, oh, is this kid, is this a student or is this like right. somebody? So there was a lot of that in the morning. And then, you know, it was mostly normal. I, I feel like one of the funniest, most notable things that happened, not that any of this is funny, but just, you know, to keep it a little bit, you know, light and, and was that none of the teachers could go out of the building to get lunch because nobody was allowed to leave. Oh, okay. Right. So, uh, so then the teachers were forced to eat the cafeteria food <laughs> if, you didn't, if you didn't bring lunch to school. <laughs> and not, not a lot of people were thrilled with that. Right. Um, so, uh, but yeah, man, it was a super weird day. Like that we have a TV in, in, uh, in this office by the gym and it's, it's weird having New York, New York one on the TV all day and all the cameras are like at the building you're inside of right right like you know hoping whoever this was that they're not about to show up where you are right right <laughs> yeah uh and then it was also funny like most of the day like you know dean's pitching in if you're not teaching find an exit and sit by it because you know look even on a normal school day kids sneak out right you know they sneak high school kids they sneak out the building and they go you know they do what high school kids do right and we just could not allow that today so you know, everyone's sitting at an exit and you could kind of see the kids who are used to like their daily, like 1230 right. exit. <laughs> oh, not today. Get to, right, get to the door and just see me sitting in a chair and they're just like, oh, hey, mister. I go smoke a bowl. Like <laughs> so, um, and you know, all things considered, uh, there was no confirmed reports necessarily that any of the kids at my school were affected or, you know, um, injured, uh, as a result of, of the shooting, but you know, the neighborhood, it was rattled. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, well, cause this was, it sounds like a bit of a planned attack. Like this was a, there was a smoke bomb and then somebody opened fire who had what, like a orange vest on. Yeah. 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 So that's like, unnerving. Right. I mean, and if you've seen the video, it's 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 like it's so alarming how simple it is, right? How the idea is just you throw a smoke bomb into the subway car, the whole thing fills up, nobody can see anything. Yeah. Let alone, you know, I know th I've heard that there were some people that were coming out that just had nosebleeds from the smoke that right. filled it. So it's obviously incredibly disorienting. And then someone just opens fire. You know, like how vulnerable you are. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I do think that it, we all kind of understand this and everybody kind of just has to like forget about how dangerous it could be to go down <laughs> to the subway, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you're kind of a sitting duck. And uh, yeah, it was just super weird. Like the governor was, I think, in my building today. Oh, wow. You know, I mean, you're a sitting duck only if some lunatic is going to walk in and start shooting, you know, right. Like, why? Why would anybody do that? I know. Right. What's the problem? What's the problem? Can't be that bad. Yeah. How, what I don't that know. Solve, you know, like, God, Ugh. I mean, it can be really bad. But what what is that? What did that do? I don't get it. Not to minimize it, but it's incredible. Nobody died. That's unbelievable. I can't I believe know. nobody died. Yeah, there I was can't, injuries, right. right? Yeah. Yeah. 
it's all injuries so far, which right. thank God, you know, yeah. I mean, again, not to minimize it. It's just, it's a miracle that yeah, that's the case, yeah. you know? What kind of weapon was it? Do they know? Was it like a handgun or like a... I heard a rumor that they already found a gun in the in the subway, in the station okay. that it was at. Like they already, it was a handgun that they already found. But I don't know that it's been confirmed that that was the weapon that was used in the right, subway okay. car or just a different stray weapon that was found. Right. But, um... Well, that's a yeah. morning. Why first thing in the morning? Like, yeah. Wake just up and right I mean, off the bat. And it's hard it's hard to figure out either like I think we only had about a third of the kids that go to our school in the building today. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, like I, right, like people hadn't even arrived yet. It was that. Yeah. Early. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Can I had you a coworker. Let me get a cup of coffee before you start shooting. I know. I <laughs> I heard my bagel. <laughs> before you open fire this uh, a teacher i work with was saying like she was thinking about that this guy got up this morning knowing he was going to do this and right. went out and did it and i can't stop thinking about the flip the people who just got up like i did like this is just a tuesday right you know tuesday is tuesday tuesday sucks if you're getting up early to go shoot up the subway do you set an alarm yeah right or do you just you want to get up like oh that would be curious right (laughs) all right sorry i shouldn't make jokes how do you sleep i know just right let me sleep right like what time do you go to bed yeah should i get to bed early who are you sleep at all and the guy's out there still by the way right they didn't catch him yeah they don't right because wasn't something was wrong with like the video system in the subway today or yeah. so they don't have a lot of great yeah this actually this subway stop has been a part of a different you know far more lighthearted uh viral event have you ever seen anywhere on the internet the there's like a video of people going up the stairs of a subway and they keep tripping on the same step because that step is like something like an eighth oh, of an yeah, inch yeah, higher yeah. that's the stop where that's wow. filmed at wow. yeah so, uh, I don't know why I started with that, but you no, know, I just, is New York, I mean, is it, is the city going to collapse here soon? Like nobody's going back to the offices, like the violent crime seems over, overblown, but it's all, it's clearly is on the rise, you know, like, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty jarring incident. Like subway ridership is already suffering. Like now what, what are people going to do? Right. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I have seen that real estate bounce back really fast and rents are up again and people are buying. So people still want to live in the city. But, I don't, you know, you just wonder, like, no, off, nobody's returning to work. Um, the mayor doesn't seem to have any plan. Like, all he's doing is mocking people. Like, what, are you going to stay in your PJs all day? Like, yes. Right. <laughs> Fucking Especially asshole. if this is on the table. I'm right, right. Like, well, like yeah, I am. Right. Um, and that's not going to get me back there. Just like making fun of me for not wanting to get dressed and drag my ass and do it right. And then there's like a shooting on the subway. Um, I don't know. It does seem like a precarious situation. And then it's like, does it matter? Like, um, do, do you know, is New York shrinks or something or is less v- vital? 
Yeah, I feel like, like it definitely matters. I mean, at right. least I don't know. I know it matters to me right, a great right. deal. Well, like, you could always move. I mean, you know, like I get. Well, actually, to be to be totally honest with you, what I'm really worried about is my pension. Is right. like, if, the, if the enrollment in New York City schools plummets, like right, you know, right. I'm a little yeah. worried about that. But uh, yeah, it sucks. I mean, it's clearly a problem, and. There's so many things going on at once where, right, like I think right now, rightfully, you have a movement to curb police brutality and and just overall police-like aggression, right? Like a much-needed movement is, you know, growing strong at this, at this moment. And yet, violent crime is on the rise in New York City and, like, we can't just, you know – accept it as the cost of doing business necessarily either. So, you know, what do you do there? And right. Like, listen, I don't want to, well, I guess I do want to, because I'm going to do it, but like the mayor, I voted for him. I'll tell you, but right. Like I find that a, a lot of what he does is just says things that only vaguely makes sense right that he seems to think sounds smart but they really it's not and look all i know is he dropped the mass mandate a little sooner than i might have i think he had some silly things to say around that too like we can't not look you see each other in the mouth or so you know i don't know what he said yeah yeah. and then he himself has covid as this is going down right right so (laughs) i mean like yeah he's a deeply strange character so right i you know i i don't feel like also this is the guy who ran on like he was the guy to kind of deal with crime that he's a democrat he's a person of color but he's also an ex-cop like he's the right guy to deal with this like we didn't catch this guy because of a faulty security system in the subway station and he again not on scene because has covid and so and this happens so it is like and also, not that this should matter, but what is the – like, you know, there are times when our Wi-Fi is an issue while we record this podcast. It seems like our Wi-Fi was significantly better than the Wi-Fi the mayor has at Gracie Mansion to do a virtual interview with New York One. The the quality of the picture was horrendous. And it's just like, this is the mayor of New York City. What yeah. am I looking at right now? This just looks like a hostage video. Yeah, he's a deeply strange figure. I mean, at the end of the day, maybe it's just one incident. Things happen all the time, everywhere. I don't know right. that it is part of a larger conversation around New York City, but it is just like, it does feel a little scarier. Um, but also there's no details. I don't know who this was or what what it was about. Um, but man, what the yeah. hell? <laughs> I mean, it could be anything too. Like I saw a lot of the people who got shot were Asian. Oh. And the gunman is a, a black male. And there has been a lot of black on yeah. Asian violence around the city lately. Right. So it could be that. Or again, it could just be like, look, there's a lot of Asian people in this neighborhood. Yeah, so yeah. they right. might have just been all been on the train. And yeah, this guy yeah. randomly picked the train. So it's really, it, you don't know anything right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get rid of it. And I won't get into the larger points. But uh, that's a terrifying morning. Um, yeah, it was weird. It really is upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
well, Brian. It's. <laughs> I was like, how are we gonna do this? Let's get out of Brooklyn. <laughs> let's get out of Brooklyn and let's right. head down to a far more peaceful place. Right. Let's go the, to the opposite place. From, yes. From, can't get farther from. Yeah. In the friendly confines of Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> How should we do this? Do you want to give me? I've been talking a lot so far because I was the one who was like right in the eye of the storm today. So why don't you tell me your master's thoughts and then or and then you can hear it through my virgin eyes. Right. OK. Um, well, it's interesting. I guess one, it was kind of a boring master's all told. Um, I think the story of the master's is Tiger Woods is back. Um, he played really well the first two days and then he he really you know he fell apart a little on the weekend um ran out of gas ran out of steam but i mean i think from the tiger perspective a huge win he looked great he was hitting his driver well he walked all four days um you know, you could definitely see it take its toll over the course of the four days, but I think his swing looked great. His game looked good. Um, all in all, I think it was a very exciting return for Tiger that his career does not appear to be as over as I would have, as I thought, um, you know, post accident. So I don't think we're going to see him anytime soon sounds like he's definitely gonna play the british open which i think makes a lot of sense he should probably try to play once before then if he can if he can't that's fine too um and then i wouldn't play much more than that like i would play the british and then maybe that's it because he clearly needs to gain a lot of strength um but also needs to work on his game but you know looked really good he was incredible i thought just the what he was doing and how he was doing it and gritting it out. What was the shirt he was wearing on Thursday? I know. Yeah, you and I were joking about that. And it was, yeah. it was great. Like, you're so right yeah. that, like, he's gone for so long. Here I am making this return off this dramatic injury. And no instinct to blend in. <laughs> right. You know? To just show up, see how it goes. He's there on the first tee in a fuchsia bright pink shirt. It's just like, I'm back. Right. You know? It's skin like, tight, mock turtleneck. Right. Like, Look be... at me. Yeah. Look at me. I'm here. Yeah. Right. Not just, there's no part of him that's like, you know, I'm just going to see how it goes. He's like, I'm here to win. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody look at me. All right. And even, it. When it, even as it became clearer and clearer that, you know, he wasn't going to win. Like, I still thought even on Sunday when it was just clear that, you know, not only was he not going to win, but that he just run out of gas. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was still the way he was carrying himself was I don't know how you could do it. I don't know how he was out there. I don't know how he did it too. It was very cool that he at least got himself too. Like he played two solid rounds when the course played brutal. Like some of the guys, you know, Brooks Kepka missed the cut. Jordan Spieth missed the missed the, missed the cut. Bryson DeChambeau missed the cut. And there's right. Tiger like at one over it right in it. Yeah. into the weekend like yeah he shoots a good round on saturday he's in contention you know right and and even saturday had some opportunities like um kind of kind of lost it late and just putted terribly actually hit it pretty well um on a brutal day David, of course played brutal 
So all in all, like a stunning return in many ways. Yeah. Now, when is the British Open? It's June or July? It's July. So it's the okay. last one now. There's going to be the PGA and then the U.S. Open. I don't think he apparently he he put his name in for the U.S. Open, which just means he he's not ready to say he's not playing yet. I okay. do. I don't think he should play the U.S. Open. Right. I don't think he should play the PGA. I don't know the Tiger should play a U.S. Open honestly ever again. Um, Why's that? Because it's so hard, and it's he can't win there anymore. Like I think the Masters and the British are where he can still compete, and he should focus his energies on those two, um, and then pick his spots otherwise. I mean, maybe if there's a U.S. Open where the layout he feels comfortable on, or he likes the course, um, something like that. But I don't think he should he should force himself to play that every year. Um, cause I, you know, that's, and the PGA the same, I would, I would go when, when it's a course that you feel really good about, um, and whether you think is going to be, you know, suitable, like he should really be strategic. I don't know what, how he plans, how he thinks about that, but that's how I would approach it if I were him. He must think about it like that in some ways. Like it's not an accident that he came back for Augusta. Oh yeah. No, yeah. he knew, I know this course. I, there's only so bad I can play here. I can, if I just get through it. Yeah, I w- the thing was was tough is like I, that Sunday must have been like, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like yeah, he was full of adrenaline the first two days, and now I'm in the mix. I did it, and then Saturday it's like, oh damn it, and then it's like I gotta go drag my ass out there. Like Sunday, and I I'm, I can't win, and I can't even like really place well. Like I just gotta go gut this thing out, get it to the house. Like, <laughs> that, right. last, that Sunday round must have been like, this was a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't so be true. here. Right, because you can't not play it. You can't drop out. Oh, you right. Can't, you can't withdraw. That yeah, is just, it takes everything away from it. Right. So you uh, can't do that. So you have to do it. It's like going for a run and then getting really far, being super proud of yourself and being like, damn it, I have to go back? Right, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. What are your thoughts on, uh, Scotty Scheffler? So I thought, you know, he's now won four out of six tournaments, which is really impressive. I felt though, like he was riding a little bit of a wave. I felt like a little bit of a fluke for him to be number one in the world. No one else is playing that great. He gets really hot, wins three events. He's better than I realized. Like he, one, he always plays well. So he's been contending at everything for a while now. And then he finally broke through and won. And now here he's won four out of six. I think, I do think he's got a chance um, to break out of the pack of the Justin Thomases and the Jordan Speeds and, and put himself like, he just has a really solid game. Like, he, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be, as successful as this but like physically he does remind you of like a jack nicholas like he's just built that way and he's not tiger where everything's perfection he has kind of a strange swing but it generates a ton of power and he's a great putter and his short he's a really great short game like he's just got everything um you know the thing that'll that'll do him in is he seems to have a big miss um under some pressure, he started to hit some really left, some big left shots that he overcame. And then he got pretty fortunate that Cam Smith, who was the closest competitor, you know, he put he birdies 11, pull within three, 
he hits a good one there on 12. Now Scheffler's going to be in a lot of pressure. And 12, he, he would have if, if if Cam Smith hits a good shot there on 12, that's a brutal shot. My lead is down to three. You know, he would have had to get up there and hit a good shot on 12. Instead, Cam hits it in the water, makes a triple bogey, and the tournament's basically over. And he, you know, he got to just kind of waltz in from there. You know, Rory made the spectacular bunker shot to put a little bit of pressure on him, but even then he only got within three and he had no more holes left. You know, no one really pressed him. So you still got to see, like, what does he do with somebody really pressing him in one of these spots? But I think he's, he's better than I thought he was. So now here's my question, again, based on my far more elementary observations. But, like, so just watching it from my perspective, like, he seemed like the Terminator. You know, like, <laughs> just kept coming and coming yeah, and coming yeah. and coming. And so my question, I guess, is more like – and I, I get what you're saying. And, you know, you're probably right where, you know, because Cam Smith – fell apart there on 12, which happens to people, right? That's the hole, right, in at the Masters that people fall apart at. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, that's that shot is, like, basically that's, like, you got to survive that shot. Like, that's, you know, and then it opens up. Right. Well, yeah. and I mean, and so isn't it also that, like, the way Scheffler had played, where he's just not, even if he misses, he's recovers like and recovers perfectly i mean some of those shots that he was like on sunday that he was missing we had one recovery shot from somewhere in the oh, woods yeah. that was like incredible yeah. so like is it where was scheffler like applying pressure to cam smith where cam smith is like man this guy he just is not gonna give me an inch i gotta go get it you know and then that's where he starts to fall apart yeah, for sure. I mean, he's three down there. He's got to make a move. So he definitely is t- approaching that not like, I just got to get this on the green. He's trying to hit a good shot there, and that's why he probably hits it in the water. Right. But I'm just saying, if he hits it there to 15 feet, now all the pressure is on Scheffler. He had been a little bit shaky through those, you know, I think he bogeyed 11 um, or bogeyed 10. One of the, He bogeyed 10 or 11. Um you know, he didn't, he, he got, you know, he played one, one, like that's the thing. That's what really makes me think. I mean, here's a guy coming in newly number one in the world has won three of five events and then, and then, you know, basically plays a different golf course from everybody else. Like, you know, Cam Smith was the only guy even close to him, you know, right. like, so the course played really hard and he made it, you know, he got to 12 under at points where, you know, third place was like, or under like he was he played unbelievable well um, right yeah sorry go ahead no so i'm just saying like he was i'm not saying he was for you know he was fortunate in the sense that like no one applied pressure because he was kicking their ass so badly but that was like he he you will have to see him like if cam had put that shot into 15 feet what could have been a different story the rest of the way right right and i guess it right my my argument is hurt by the series of putts on 18 that <laughs> where he was like, okay, get it together. You know, yeah, yeah. does not look good. But there were, again, like I just felt like some of those recovery shots he would hit even off the mistakes was like uh, Jason and Friday the 13th, just getting like, you think it's like, oh, he's wounded. Thank God. And he just like sits up and you're just like, 
Man, yeah, but you know, the thing about the, those is like early in a round, if, when you're not hitting it good, if you never resolve that, at some point, that that's going to bite you. Like, mm-hmm. so, like, I, I don't know, when Tiger won a couple of years ago and Francesco Molinari was like playing really well, he had the lead for most of that event. And he kept making these great par saves, you know, and it just seemed like, oh, this guy is just a machine, but he wasn't hitting it well. And he kept making these pars, you know, and all these grinding pars. And then he gets up to 12 and he knocks it in the water, you know, and then on 15, he makes a double bogey because he just wasn't hitting it well. Like, so that, not that that's not true. Like that's definitely a sign of you handling the pressure, but that also can, you know, usually that comes back to haunt you. And right. he was a little fortunate that no one put him in a position where he didn't have to hit a big shot under pressure like the rest of the way. Right. Like, I gotta have it. Like, yeah, I he's can't. He's playing 16, which is, can be a dangerous hole, and he's got, like, a five-shot lead, you know? Right. Like, that's, that's a very different thing from trying to hit that shot up one. That's true. I feel like football, uh, golf is the game of inches. Oh, yeah. Like the game of inch, I mean inches. <laughs> oh yeah, centimeters. I know. It's just the way the ball can bounce and go, especially there. Like, can draw. You know, you miss it by a foot and it rolls off the green. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I mean, I do think he like announced himself as like I think he's definitely got a shot to be, you know, up stand out from even that pack of really good players. Um, you know. Like, you know, when when Jordan Spieth had his run a few years ago and he was awesome and he won, like, three majors right out of the gate, I really never thought, like, oh, this guy's the next Tiger. I, I'm not shocked that he has since had problems. Like, just went watching him. Um, and Scheffler, I'm not saying he's going to be a dominant world number one for a long time, but I do think he's got a chance to be. He's just the build and no a lot a lot of weaknesses and personality like and he just seems to always play well um i think he's you know i think he's got some staying power all right we got a new new kid on the block that's <laughs> that's what what why does cam smith look like that i don't know he just likes it <laughs> does he like it is that his thing was it a bit or that's just what he looks like that's just what he looks like I'll say, too, you know, I've watched plenty of golf on TV over the years and, you know, followed this tournament or that. Getting into it for at least a portion of all four days is, like, was super fun to learn how some of the holes played. So you start, like, by Sunday, you, like, know where guys are trying to go with it, what they're trying to do with it. Like, it helps that they have the graphics with, like, the landing zones or whatever. But, you know, seeing where the guys set up the tees and... That was really that was like really fun about following it. Ed is doing his best to reduce my fun in rooting for Colin Morikawa. Why is Ed a Colin Morikawa fan? I don't <laughs> I know. It's feel like that's your bandwagon. Yeah, that's not allowed. Why is also, Ed? I can't believe he was he he was in support of Nick Faldo ruining the only actually interesting moment of the day. Right. And even Faldo was like, I I think I heard him say I cocked up today. Like that yeah. was terrible. Right, um, what was he doing? What was he doing? Like, what was he thinking? And you can yeah. hear Jim Nance be like, I think I know what you're talking about, but, like, <laughs> I cannot believe you just did that. Like, what are you doing? I get where it's like, you just watched it. Like, how can you pretend like you didn't see it? But, like, that's the job. Like, right. 
it was the only compelling moment of like the afternoon, like, you know, that he, and then you, we come back and it's like, all right, oh, I know this is going in. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Unreal. Unreal. I like, I like Faldo. A lot of people don't like him in the like golf world. Um, that the hardcore golf fans don't think he's good. I, I have no issue with him, but uh, that was a, that was a real boner. Yeah. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's the whole, that's what you should be praying for. You're announcing an event is the opportunity to get that one right. Right. And, and, and Nance must've been furious. He wants to make a big call on that <laughs> right. moment. You know, here's this like Rory's trying to win the career grand slam. He has to have this. If he has any hope. Yeah. Like he's boy, he blew it. What a terrible shot. He hit in the bunker and he knocks it in. That's potentially a big moment in his career. I mean, look like ultimately he still only got him within like three right there. He wasn't going to win, but if he, the only way he had any hope, and he, to knock it in there is just insanity. Yeah. So that was just unbelievable. <laughs> that was terrible. What? But why does Ed like Morikawa? What is Ed like about him? I don't know. Just likes his again. Well, he's attracted to him. <laughs> right. Well, is Ed attracted to me? Maybe. Maybe he is. Now. <laughs> You know who I uh, who else I I felt I ended up liking was Dustin Johnson. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I, I like I don't know, it's something about his body movement I just liked. Once again, weird attraction is somehow mixed yeah, up in it. Yeah, yeah. I've always about- hated Dustin Johnson and I've started to like him over the last few years. I I've, I've come to respect him. Um, I w- I actually held Paulina Gretzky against him. Okay. I thought that was just too much goodness for one person. I kind of hate it. He has this like real like you know laid back thing that he's doing, and, and like you know he's always kind of trying to look all chill, and like he's trying to look cool, like the pressure's not getting to him, you know. But then he was like notorious for choking in big spots, you know. And it just the disconnect between those two things kind of bugged me. Like it just felt like he would rather it's more important to him to look unflappable than to be unflappable. Okay. You know, and it was like, you care, you care, you want to win as bad as anybody in the world. <laughs> this is killing you. You keep blowing it in the biggest spots. Like, look like you, I don't know. It's just something about the disconnect between this, like, I'm just, eh, yeah, whatever, you know, I'm just out of here having a good time. So With, you, like, you want more vulnerability from Dustin Johnson. Yes. Just <laughs> this facade that you're, you know, look, you're folding in big moments because, and then, and then like this walk of like, hmm, no, you just, that just crushed your soul. What just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Don't hide from me, Dustin. It's funny too, like to get sort of like try and get yourself into a new sport at our age where it's like easy because every sport has its own sort of unique thing, but there's tropes that just pop up in like fandom or rooting interest that are just like across the board, like universally, like, you know, I was rooting for Morikawa both in spirit and financially. And like, you know, he obviously played well, he finished in fifth or, you know, tied for fifth or whatever. So it's not like he had a bad tournament, but you know, he just like, couldn't, build like every time you felt like he was okay now he's gonna get rolling he just ran into you know and it's just it's a familiar thing right it's like when your defense just can't get a stop or can't get off the field on third down or when like you know you keep leaving runners on in scoring position it's just like that similar like feeling of frustration 
as you're rooting for somebody just pops up and you're like, Oh, I know how to root. I know how to follow the sport. I know how to like, root. like okay, right, right, I get right. it. I get where the big, the key moments are. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the par putts are like your, your big third down conversions. You know? Right. Like, right. Right. Um, like, uh, getting up and down, you know, is like pinning them deep in the, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So all in all, huge success. I had a blast. Ate pimento good. and cheese. It was real fun. I'm looking forward yeah. to the next major. Let's right. go. Love the Masters. Love the Masters. Yeah. All right, Brian. Uh, golf is just ramping up as his first major has been played, whereas the Knicks season has wound all the way down. And the burning question on the, on the minds of all Knicks fans, Brian, is is Emmanuel quickly the starting point guard of this team or not? Answer now. <laughs> can I just say, like, can I disabuse every Nick fan of this notion that this was not a good season of Nick's basketball? Like, can we all get our heads out of our collective asses? I mean, like, <laughs> are you guys all new here? In what universe is this not a pretty decent Nick season? Like, I this last month was a blast. They played really well post All Star break. Was it disappointing? Yes. Did the like the thing they hoped didn't happen, but they pivoted well, and everybody I wanted play well is now playing well. I think the coach is among the best coaches in the NBA. I cannot believe I like I, I've never been more disconnected from the general fan base. When I saw like some article on like DailyKnicks.com, which is some trash website, or whatever but like the top five things that fans would want to see happen. Number one was Tibbs getting fired. I'm like, are you all out of your mind? Number one, like he's like one of the best things we have going. Like, let's even just say he's not one of the best things we have going, but he is. I agree with you. That's hundred percent right. Let's just say he's not. Can everybody who wants Tibbs fired, just go one step further. Like who replaces Tibbs? And before you tell me Johnny Bryant, tell me one thing you know about Johnny Bryant. <laughs> Johnny other, Bryant. other than he's going to replace him. head coach, right? right? Like, what track record does he have? That that would. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. What What do you? If you think Tim should be fired, what do you think a, a competent coach? The record of this Knicks team. Like, what should the record of this Knicks team? What should it have been? Right. I, yeah, exactly. And because that's the thing is like, was this season a disappointment? Yes. But to be hopeless, if you feel hopeless right now, that's entirely your problem. They played great on the stretch. Emmanuel quickly was awesome. And right. don't tell me like, well, that's why Emmanuel quickly should have played more the whole time. Emmanuel quickly was garbage yeah. for most of the season. Terrible. Like, and played plenty, played right. often and was awful. Like right. shot it horrendously for months, and Tibbs kept putting him out there. Believed the guy because his defense was still pretty good, and he was—you could see that he was starting to learn how to play make. Like Emmanuel quickly is a success story of Tom Thibodeau's coaching. Right. Just like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I, I just—I would love to know how people make a decision about like how, was quickly developed or just held back. Like, how do you come to that conclusion? And you're right. The evidence suggests 
developed. Mark Berman just wrote an article about the early, like, pre-practice sessions that Tibbs would hold with just the young guys to give them tutoring and so forth. And you're right. Quickly has been a regular part of the rotation for two years now. Like, it's not like he's just somebody. It's not like he was Knox last year or Frank or whatever. Right. Like, a guy we never plenty. see. Right. Saw him a lot and saw him suck a lot early in the year. When you suck at the beginning and then you're awesome at the end, coaching probably took place in there. Right. And, and, and like, you know, you don't want a guy to lose his confidence, too. Like, you can play him too much and, and torpedo a young player. Like, that happens all the time. Develop terrible habits. And, like, since the All-Star break, you know, it, uh, Macri, who does such a great job with the next film school, like, the number one defense since the All-Star break. Number one. one. Number Not one. like, okay, they improved. You know, they were a little better the second half. They were eighth in defense. Number one. Number yeah. one. And it's not like this influx of defensive talent happened. <laughs> like, right. they're well coached on defense. Like, stop it. Yeah. And look, yeah, if they're well coached on defense. Does their offense leave something to be desired? Is it the most creative thing that's on television right now? No. But it's good. I, you know, I don't, you know, it's not nothing. No, and most of that is on Julius Randle, who yes. like holds the ball and doesn't move. Like the best thing when in the last week when Obi just really ex- exploded, the thing that is just so great about Obi is he's just constant motion. You know, like yeah, he just never stops moving when he doesn't have the ball. When he has the ball, like he's moving and and he's doing something quick. He's either taking it right to the basket or he's getting it to somebody else. Like. Just putting Julius. constant stress on the other team. Constant. And then when he's, you know, those fast breaks that he just explodes down the court, he's just always putting pressure on you. Um, and, what you know, you contrast it to Julius. Like, it's just hard not to – it's going to be hard to even try to go back. And to the Tibbs should have held Julius more accountable crowd. Like, again, how do you propose he did that? I know Tommy Beer – thinks it's so obvious, and I know he thinks it's obvious because he passive-aggressively tweeted out stat comparisons between Randall and Obi this year, implying clearly that Obi should have just played more and Julius less, and we would have been, you know, the number four seed again. But again, that is easy. It's easy to cherry-pick a few numbers, throw them up on Twitter, and smugly act like, You've analyzed something. Right, right. It's a lot harder to be in a locker room full of guys, one of whom just signed an extension where the extension itself hasn't even begun Yeah, yeah. to make over $100 million and then to, to tell everybody, not just the guy himself, not just the whole team, literally everyone, as in all of us. Anyone in the world will know that it's been said that – Tom Thibodeau's this like you're benched and I'm going with this completely unproven commodity. Even if it's the right thing to do to act like it's just such a no brainer and why didn't Tibbs do it sooner? And what's his problem? And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you if you don't understand what goes into that. But it also, it's not to say he does everything right. Or like, like sometimes he like, it bothers me. I wish Tibbs like in those third quarters would go would go to quickly earlier, you know, or, or boy, Randall's having a tough third quarter here. Bring in Obi at the six minute mark, the seven minute mark. And then, and then go back to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. change things up a little bit. Like those things bug me. I, I like, 
there's some, you know, I wish he, he would give the Obi Randall thing a little bit more of a try, blah, blah, blah. There's lots of things you could say, but you're, you're, you're suggesting that those things are like the most critical that they would unlock and that the things that he believes and the things that he does have no impact, that they're all negative. Yeah. When it's clear that's not true. So like, it's not to say that he couldn't do some things differently that might improve the team, but there's lots of things that he does and believes that clearly help. They, <laughs> they played great down the stretch. I'm so sad that the season is over. I have had the last couple of weeks have been a joy. Yeah. And since the all-star break has been a real pleasure watching RJ, watching Obi, watching, you know, Julius had his moments, like watching the way Mitchell Robinson's come on, like watching quickly, who quickly is my favorite Nick. Like, so I, I, I want him to play. I would love to see him be the starting point guard, but like, I, I can totally understand why they're not, why they're going to wait and see. Right. See if we can get a point guard and then maybe, hey, maybe quickly is the sixth man. And then, boy, now we're really good. Like, let's see what draft pick we have. Let's see what what we want to do. Like, you know, I'm excited. Yeah. And look, I love quickly, too. Uh, but also, I have perspective on who he is. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just like, why? Right. Like, we have to pronounce him the starter now or not. Like, what if someone proposes a trade to us and we can get somebody better or like who knows how the lottery is going to play out. Like I really like quickly. I don't want us to lose quickly, but I don't also think that like, it's crazy to think that there, (laughs) there could be something or someone better that we have a chance to get sooner rather than later. And so it's nuts that I just, too many Knicks fans live in this sort of like, they're always just like, Show us what it it should look like when we're at our when like it's all together. Like, like I yeah. want to know what that is now. So do it now. And it's like, well, they can't do it now because that's not what now is. I mean, I think the Knicks have huge decisions to make that are really complicated, and you know they have to really decide how good is this little trio they've got here. This quickly RJ Obi thing that looks so fun. But like, how real is it? How much do we want to invest in that? Like, what does that mean for Julius? Like, does that mean we can just get rid of him and go? And do we just go with this? Like, like that would be a pretty fun opening day, you know? Like, and let's say we just add a, a first round pick who's exciting and like that's our team. And maybe you've traded Julius for like some complimentary pieces and another draft pick. Um, but like, that's dangerous too. Like that 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 core. I really like them. I really do. But I'm also like a very possible. I'm looking at them with like my Knicks colored glasses on and right. they're not that good. Um, but wh- whatever they decide on those decisions, like I just think people are, I think the coach is like the thing that I'm like, we got the coach. He's right. good. That's good. Like now we got to make these other critical decisions. Like the coach, he did a good job this year. That's what I can't believe. Like he did a good job with this team. This is not a great team. I know. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I, Macri said it best in that tweet that I, I sent you. It's like Frank Vogel got fired because they tanked. The Lakers were the 27th in the league in defensive rating. The Knicks were number one. They did not tank. They were out. They were out of it. And they, 
fought like hell. Why do you think that is? Who associated with the Knicks is a reputation for relentlessly fighting like hell? Who could that possibly be? It's Tibbs. They lost Derrick Rose for, you know, half the season. They had a ton of close losses. They had a a better point differential than the Bulls, who were in the playoffs. Wow. Like... It was not a, it wasn't a disaster. It was a disappointing season for sure. Yeah. Like most notably because the Kemba thing just did not work at all. Right. And you know, now like I, I don't think Fournier is a disaster. He really came on. He he, he yeah. had a decent season. Um you know, all the complaining about Alec Burks. Alec Burks has been great the <laughs> last couple of months. What's the big deal? He's a good player. I like Alec Burks. I know. What's the problem? Why is it, this unbearable to you? It makes me want to revisit Elfrey Payton too, because it's just like looking at a guy, yeah, yeah. like you know what I mean. Looking yeah, at a guy yeah. I know I liked and I know is pretty good, and just to see him get obliterated by Nick's yeah. Twitter, it makes me want to go back and be like, was Elf the destruction right. of the team that he was made out yeah. to be? Because okay. I never even really thought so. Right, right, right. I know. Or did I just spend all this time on Twitter? And right. It's like you can't help but get sucked into it because um, you want to feel like you're one of the smart guys, too. Right. sees all this obvious stuff that's like so obvious. And and how could anybody not think this is right? You know, like, <laughs> I know I mean, just ridiculous. It's ludicrous. I, I can't I can't believe it. Right. I to- I think we're totally on the same page and I'm still on Twitter all the time. <laughs> Just like, right. I like this team. I still like this team. And you know what? I sort of also feel like what you were saying about quickly OB and RJ, like, am I just looking at through looking at them through Nick's colored glasses? I almost don't care. You know why? Because I haven't looked at players through Nick's colored glasses in forever. Like just the fact that I have an emotional attachment to those guys and right. would be willing to roll the dice. And maybe they will disappoint me and will break my heart. The only reason they can break my heart is because I have given them my heart, Brian. Right. But I mean, I, I really do. And I, I, I thought for sure Julius was coming back. Like I, and and was gonna have we're just gonna have to hope he played better and I was really sure that he's and I, and I, and he still may like I I don't know but I was like really sure and now you're just like it's really gonna be hard to put this Obi thing like he, he this explosion yeah. was was just this thirty five points forty two points <laughs> it was like, ridiculous it was ridiculous the way he's shooting the three yeah like, it, it looks so much better but like let's say you are able to move Julius for something that's not even that great you know but like first round pick a backup power forward like whatever right like let's say it is like quickly rj ob mitch you know a fournier starting lineup or something and then like you know now i've got quentin grimes off the bench that i yeah. really like like you still got deuce mcbride there like in a complimentary role you're gonna have derrick rose like I'm, I'm excited to watch that team play like whoever who's a draft like whoever we get in the first round integrating that guy like i don't get all the i just don't get the idea that well the knicks it's like this is like still the most fun you know you compare it to like these other regimes where we took steps back like think of the year after we had the good season with mellow you know then they traded for andrea bargnani yeah god you know they had jr smith they were old the team you could tell there's just nothing there was no Right, you know, no foundation juice to build on, or you go back to like the Marbury days. It's like we had huge contracts on Eddie Curry and guys making big money. You know, like 
It was no flexibility. This is not that. This right. Is like, not that at all. And the thing with the Mellow teams, too, was, as you said, because they were aging, they were kind of already at their ceiling. And right. that wasn't good enough. And so it just sucked. You know, this team, there's still hope and excitement for the future. You know, I feel like a lot of Knicks fans, like all Knicks fans came into the season saying we should not expect an exact repeat of last year. We should, you know, we shouldn't expect the four seed. But then it's like you and I were like, right, exactly. We shouldn't expect the four seed. It could be worse this year. <laughs> like the rest of the Knicks Twitter is like, no, don't expect the four seed. Expect the one seed. Oh, we didn't get it? fire tips right and and like right and all over the place like it's like he benched he he was too quick on kemba that thing and then it's like no kemba needed to be exiled to siberia and then it's like we have to tank immediately yeah yeah we have to you know bench everybody and trade everybody and play nothing but young players like that's what we got to do like instead he tried to win every game he tried to get better and that's what happened. The team right. got suddenly better. The young <laughs> players got better, probably because they're not playing only with other shitty young players. They're playing with veterans who know what the fuck they're doing. Right. And the team collectively improved and is in the best spot it's been in a very long time. It has a lot of really interesting options this offseason. I can't wait for next season to start. I know. Just let's fire the guy whose goal was to make the team better, and he succeeded at doing it. Like, right, because we should have sucked and lost everything. And it's right. just like, shut the fuck up. God almighty, just shut up. Yeah. Unbelievable. No. I really have never felt so disconnected from the popular opinion as, as the Tom Thibodeau thing. Yeah, I totally um, agree. You know, because it's like, it really does remind you of Tom Coughlin with the Giants. Yes. Oh, a lot. Yeah. But I like Tom Coughlin, like to me, actually like those people being mad at him was was more understandable. Like, oh, yeah, those teams, you know, falling apart. And he had a track record of like wearing down early. And you could, you know, Strahan was in full revolt. Like, right. Yeah. He just didn't openly didn't like him. Right. Yeah. Like. You know, Eli was not progressing at all. Like, and then, and we had some collapses under, you know, like Tibbs just to me, like, has some clear strengths, you know, that are really like, he is one of the few. Like, I don't think many of these coaches matter at all. I really don't. I think he is one of the, I'm glad I was really satisfied to hear Leon Rose say, he's like, I think he's one of the best in the league. I think he's, it's like, not only do I think he should not be fired, I genuinely believe he's one of the five or six worth a shit NBA head coaches. No question. No question. I, I would even say, like, this season might have been the floor of a coat Tibbs coach. Right, team. right, right. Like, even if this is his worst performance that of his career, that's really good. That's way better than... Dave Fisdale's best, then right. Jeff Hornacek's best, then you know, then a lot of guys' yeah. best. Right. Yeah. Tibbs forever. Uh, you got any quick uh, Mets content? Uh, are you on the? Are you just like on the train? Do you do you do you feel a little like vomity at how Steve Cohenized the team has become? How nervous are you about Jacob Degrom? My brother-in-law is convinced Degrom is 
is his career is over. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I can't get into baseball anymore. You know, when I used to work there, I got, I got into it. I started to love it again. I'm struggling. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. Like, it's just like the game. I don't know. I don't know if that, I, I like, that's where there's all these things about what's wrong with baseball and not putting in play. And I don't know if that's true or what, what the problem is exactly, but I can't get there. It's probably not any single problem, right? It's like such a combination of factors. Like it just feels like everybody involved sucks because there's constantly a labor issue. Right. Where it's like, what's the issue? You're all so rich. And yes, I'm more pro player than I am pro owner, but also just all of you shut up. Also, either baseball, either get rid of cheating or let it go. Right. Everybody's cheating all the time. Right. And you're always, Why is it like, always cheating. Right. And it's always like the great teams. It's like, oh, they were cheating. Like, or the great players. It's like, oh, like, you know, <laughs> these pitchers, they're unbelievable. Have we never seen anything like this? So they all got sticky stuff. So we took away the sticky stuff and now they all suck. Actually, and, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You just never, what am I watching? Is this guy good or is this baloney? I never, it's like, it's always there. Right. Why? There's like, right. They haven't solved cheating, which is like, why? Why is it so hard to solve? Right. A. B, you know, I was actually listening to uh, Mike Francesa's pod. He does a segment with Bobby V every week about baseball. And they were talking about how the Orioles are like, or not the Orioles. Who is it? Oh, the it's Tampa Bay, right? Because they're so innovative or whatever. And they travel with, no, no, I'm sorry. I keep getting this wrong and I'm ruining the point. The Giants, San Francisco Giants, they travel with 14 coaches. And that was like mind blowing. They were like, why do they have 14 coaches? And it's because like, yeah, it's because they, they take care of the player's needs. Like if the player, it doesn't matter if you're at the bottom of the roster and you need this specific workout on a road trip, there is someone there to do that with you. That's like what San Francisco does. It's like, so this is like a new thing in baseball. (laughs) Like give the extremely high paid play, highly paid players what they need to perform at an incredibly high level. Like <laughs> this is what like every division one college football program is like, right, has the mentality right. of just give the player everything they need to succeed, like everything. And it's just baseball is just getting to that conclusion. Plus like cannot stop cheating. Plus like constant labor issues. It's Can't just like, even like define what, what they consider cheating though. You know, it's right. Like, stealing signs bad. Is it all right? Like, it's, yeah sticky stuff on your finger is essential or is it a crime right I so i think we just tell baseball baseball you we're gonna take some time from you you go ahead and you get yourself together get your life right. together it's not goodbye forever it could be but if you can figure yourself out i'll try will... to get in the mets i guess i'll try it's just uh i don't know who's my favorite met who do i love i guess i love Degrom. he's pretty great but yeah, he's hurt now all the time. Yeah. Max Scherzer's a weirdo. Pete Alonzo, I guess. He had a pretty cool bat flip the other day. Yeah. Yeah. What's the shortstop's name? <laughs> Lindor. He got it in the face. Lindor. Lindor. I, I'll yeah. try to. I, I wanted to fall in love with Lindor and then he sucked last year. Anyway, yeah. I'll make an effort. All right. All right, Brian. Far more energy this week. 
Yes, it's not still, after dark. This it's still great. light outside, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. All right, it's great talking, everybody. Talk to you next week.